Yes, hello, Tyler O'Reilly here. Before we start, just wanted to remind everyone of Bazaar Plus, our membership program where you can get extra episodes every week. Just simply go to the link in the show notes. It's Sports Bazaar. There's a lot to like in this story. It's getting more ridiculous as it goes on. The hunt for the weirdest. What are you talking about? Are you serious? What? So many questions. Okay, I'm going to have to stop you here. <laughs> Strangers. Unflattering, but essentially accurate. I'm quite exhausted. <laughs> it's going to get stranger and stranger. Most unbelievable. If you wrote this as a movie, people wouldn't believe Stories it. Stories to ever occur. An epic tale of woe, joy, nutty behaviour. The fact that it's not more well known is just the strangest. Thing. In the world of sport. This is going to get juicy here, isn't it? We should open a window or something. <laughs> Sports Bazaar. How many testicles did he have? Eight. I'm <laughs> running naked down a major street in Chicago. <laughs> this, of course, is the last time organised crime and boxing with Crosstoe. Got up in a press conference. We're here to announce we've swapped our wives. What is going on? It's time for the leaders of the hunt. Got household names for me. It's surely a red flag. It's Titus O'Reilly and Mick Malloy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Sports Bazaar. Tyus O'Reilly, of course, in the chair. Mr. Malloy. Bringing it to the table. Before we get into it, thank you so much, everyone, for all the feedback and advice we've been given. Less slouching. I've heard that a bit yeah. from the YouTube crowd. Lose some weight. Lose some weight. Gee, some real personal feedback. That's right. And that's just from my mother. So <laughs> anyway, we really... You didn't think she'd listen, but uh, she did. I thought podcasting was beyond her. <laughs> but here we are, uh, once again, raking over some of the more absurd stories from the world of sport. I'm enjoying just sitting here while you bring it. What's on the table today? Well, we have said, and I'm happy to say again, if people have ideas of stories they want us to do, Please. we are very keen. I've already got quite a lot of suggestions yeah. and some of them I had already on my list, but some of them are ones that I was vaguely aware of and I've gone down those rabbit holes. So for people that know, okay. this one that we're going to do today is one that we've been asked to do already sure. quite a lot. And what we're talking about today is that most bloodthirsty of sports, Olympic figure skating. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Torval and Dean, those <laughs> two. They were that's right. They always. Eggs. So, the one we're doing today, which a lot of people know, is the Nancy Kerrigan and Tonya Harding story. Which, okay. So, this is one people I think will know, but I don't think they'll know all the details. So, this isn't that unusual. No, we, it's not we, an obscure uh, one at all. But. It's an epic tale. It's an epic tale. Shakespearean. Uh, absolutely Shakespearean. Probably more bloody than even some of the <laughs> But the thing about this that I think and why I wanted, was keen to do it is when everyone asked, I thought, well, I really do want to do this for two reasons. One, I think people know the vague story fairly well, but there's some bits about the actual people that carried out yes. what happened, which we'll get into, that it just, to me, it's like a Coen Brothers movie. It's like <laughs> these criminals that are barely yeah. can function. I mean, if the Coen Brothers had written this, you'd, yeah. you'd just believe it was theirs. Like, that's wow. how much. Secondly, this one has had a bit of a resurgence. So we're going back to 1994, but there was the I, Tonya movie. Yes. And there's been a bit of a push in a lot of the media as I researched this lately to sort of portray Tonya Harding as the victim in really? this incident. And I just yeah. kind of find that... If you actually go through this with a fine-tooth comb like we will, yes. I find that harder to sustain. And I yep. thought, you know, that's something we want to do. So for people that don't know, Nancy Kerrigan and Tonya Harding were these two American figure skaters and both had been teammates in 1992 on the US women's team. So they knew each other incredibly well. Had they grown up skating together? Yeah, they'd always known they... each other. It wasn't like they were necessarily close, but it's not a massive world figure skating. <laughs> You're bound to run level. into each other yeah, at some yeah, stage you're going on to, the circuit. Yeah, either off or on the Did ice. you ever skate yourself? I've ice skated, not figure skated. Like I'm the one that goes, you know <laughs> what I... be in the heavyweight division. Well, Do they have I like... Weight divisions. For yeah, weight divisions for I'd be skating. the guy going around just using one leg to push. <laughs> ice skating to me is an attempt not to fall over. Yeah, a constant battle with gravity. Yeah, that's all it is. Can I say, so I did some ice skating in Frankston. Uh, I don't know if you're listening from anywhere in the world. It's a fairly agricultural part of the world. And the ice skating rink, you were instructed when you got your skates, they said, if you fall over, form a fist because someone is going to try and skate over your fingers. <laughs> 
<laughs> They're going to actively. Actively will go. Oh, it was a slightly rough area when you yeah, was. When you moved out, it got slightly gentrified. Well, I think skating with Tonya Harding, you probably should have well, formed a fist as well, do you well, think? Well, so 1992, they'd been teammates. Yep. Then the 1994 Winter Olympics were approaching. There was only two years in between these two Winter Olympics because it used to be the same year as the Olympics. Yep. The Summer Olympics and, and the Winter Olympics would get overshadowed. So they switched it so it was two years after the Summer Olympics. Okay. So they were sort of off and on on this four-year yep. cycle. So they had this very short turnaround between the two. And they were both always very different skaters in the public mind. Can I put it to you? Nancy Kerrigan was like America's little sweetheart. Yeah. Is, is that fair? Like like a Disney princess. Th- these in are a the, way. This was she the perception was of them the both. Perception, so yeah. yeah, and Tonya. I'm going to say I don't mean to be uh, rude, but uh, a bit trailer parky. Definitely, the view was that Nancy Kerrigan was this American princess, upper class. She was yeah. dressed by Vera Wang. I'm the not designer. sure you can say Wang on this podcast, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> but Vera Wang, who was this high level designer, did yeah. her outfits so you know that gave her this sense of you know she was really very highfalutin kerrigan as a skater and i know you've always studied figure skating closely kerrigan was seen as this american princess but also her style of skating was incredibly graceful so that was how she did well yeah harding was this sort of wrong side of the track shorter stockier but incredibly powerful yeah. skater. So she wasn't as graceful, but she could perform tricks. She could bang it out. Yeah, she could perform tricks that just no one else could do. So she had this amazing ability to you know do things and that's how she got by. But known as a prickly character. Yeah. While Vera Wang was designing <laughs> Nancy Kerrigan's, sponsors and designers didn't want to work with Tonya Harding because she was seen as quite rough around the edges and oh. not someone you could sort of do business with. She could have skated with a poncho. <laughs> she, reckon, well, she used like... to make her own stuff. Like she had the glue gun out doing the <laughs> bedazzler. The bedazzler. <laughs> bedazzler. <laughs> Specific style, isn't it? Of yeah. I, I always love watching the figure skaters, not in a leery way, but you go, <laughs> it's kind of a bit fantastical. Is yeah, there's an element of it's glamour, but it's sort of it is Disney princess there's glamour. A, there's often. a lot of twirling and a hint of underpants. So they're incredibly different. Now the interesting thing here is Nancy Kerrigan. The image of her and the reality were very different. So Harding gets portrayed as this hard luck woman that's had this terrible upbringing and really hard. And there's a lot of truth in that. But Kerrigan was from a very working class family. Her dad would drive hours to take her to practice. She worked insanely hard and had not had everything thrown at her feet the way she's portrayed. So there's sort of this thing that people have to get in their head that just because Nancy Kerrigan appeared to be this Disney princess, American princess who'd had everything handed to her, she wasn't. She'd worked so hard to get where she'd gotten, which made this moment that happened, it was days out from the US uh, figure skating championships where they decide who's going to the Olympics. So huge pressure. It's the 6th of January, 1994, and Nancy Kerrigan just finished training at the Kobo Arena in Detroit when a man approached her off the ice and talking to a reporter, hit her with a metal object just above her knee, <laughs> which is just... Just say it in such a matter-of-fact way. <laughs> yeah. but oh, no, so this you remember when this happened, right? What were your memories totally, of it? I remember not giving two hoots about ice skating and hearing this story and going, did I hear that correctly? Yeah. Someone's been kneecapped. On the ice. It's just this world's colliding. I've never seen this. If you weren't alive at the time or you're too young to remember this, it is impossible to convey how big a story this was at the time, isn't Mm. it? It was everyone went from not knowing who Nancy Kerrigan or Tonya Harding were and not caring two hoots about figure skating in the Winter Olympics, particularly, to Every single person had an opinion on it. It was unbelievable. Every media outlet was covering it, number one. You would have been doing it on radio, I imagine, at the I, time. I just remember thinking it was like a mafia-style hit because you didn't know for the first We thing, didn't know go, who'd done it, who'd what done had happened. What, but yeah. you're going, someone's been kneecapped on the And ice. it was filmed. So the camera caught the aftermath. It didn't catch the guy hitting it. This is after training? After training, Kerrigan comes off the ice. She's chatting to a journalist. Um, I don't think it's an official <laughs> interview, but it was just they were chatting. And a man approaches her and hits her with this metal rod. We'll get into what it was. 
once and then runs off. And she is then caught by camera. Lucky she wasn't speaking to a journalist. Oh, hang on. She was. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It wasn't <laughs> a... That's a sneaky attack <laughs> off Broadway. Yeah, that's right. But we'll, we'll unpick this and you'll see why this was such a... But the reason it also blew up as a story is within seconds of the guy leaving, mm. there were all camera and media around. It happened in the back area. A camera caught the upper month of Kerrigan lying on the ground, clutching her knee and screaming out, why, 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 why me? So, you know, really harrowing footage that was easy for the media to yeah. pick up and go, wow, this has happened, right? <laughs> so it wasn't like even a it, – it became a TV story, not just a print story because they had footage yeah. of the outcome. And – Pre probably the internet really being really big, but CNN was huge at the time. The 24 news channels were picking up. So it was on a loop. You couldn't turn on a TV without this being seen. So this happens and immediately afterwards it becomes such a big story, the FBI launched an investigation. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not like the local police chief is the FBI um, are brought in straight away. This is before 9-11, so the FBI didn't have much to do. Didn't have much to do. <laughs> yeah, so it's they a quiet were like, day at the office. <laughs> they were like, this is it. It's an ice skater's just been hitting the kneecap <laughs> with a bar. Scramble all helicopters. <laughs> yeah, they never, in the movies about the FBI, it's always chasing yeah. serial killers Seri- or yeah. terrorists. No one joins the FBI going, I want to protect ice yeah. skaters. From I need the- to lift the lid on the seedy world of figure skating. Yeah, in the days that follow, for Kerrigan, the news is much better than expected. The blow had landed a bit above her knee and it had caused extensive bruising but hadn't broken any bones. So it hadn't worked basically what they'd attempted to do. There was even a chance, good chance she's going to be ready for the Olympics. Tonya Harding at the meantime, no one knew who had done this attack suspicious, or, why, or why. Suspicion didn't just fall. Not immediately because it, it's amazing to think that someone had done this to help another skater. People thought at first, was this a jealous ex? Was it a mad fan? You know, there's a thousand Someone with too one... much spare time on their hands. <laughs> Someone who's just like, like kneecapping, <laughs> like a mafia guy who's sort of yeah, just, yeah. you know. Starting small. Just keeping the eye in. Before he goes like a mob boss, I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. kind of start at the bottom. Oh, What's an easy <laughs> get? I know, a female figure skater. Yeah, let's do an easy hit. So Harding easily secures her place on the US Olympic team. So she skates. Kerrigan's not skating, so Harding's in right away. She won gold at the national championship. Kerrigan, though, despite them being unable to compete, the other skaters all agree to give her a spot on the Olympic team. Despite wow. her, this happening, they're both on the Olympic team. That was good news for Kerrigan, obviously. Yeah. The whodunit of who had actually been behind this and the motive was still out there, and this has been speculated about. So does the FBI, like, got the big, you know, the serial killer board out with the, you know, <laughs> you know the mafia family trees with all ice They're skaters? Profiling. And, and profiling. <laughs> Torval. What about Torval? <laughs> That's right. Every ice skater. Yeah, no, yeah. None of you are innocent. You're guilty until proven innocent. Imagine a police lineup of just figure skaters. <laughs> and they're all just, posing. The men are in body suits. The women are in those. They're like, pick someone from the lineup, the one in the sequence. You're going to have to be a lot more specific right. than that. I'm going to ask you all to skate to Bolero. <laughs> what did they skate to? What was what was Nancy Kerrigan's go-to? I'm not sure, actually. I'd have to look into that. But you had one job, which was to research this topic, and you can't tell me what Nancy <laughs> Kerrigan skated to. It's just surprising in my research of this how little ice skating I was. Ooga Chaka. Ooga. What are the best songs to ice skate to? Bolero. Bolero is the big one. That, that a lot of Tchaikovsky. Tchaikovsky. Yeah. He'd be happy. The Russian composers do. No, they, they, they bring it. They got that melancholy. They bring it on the ice. <laughs> Stay tuned for our <laughs> classical music podcast. A banjo? <laughs> the banjo? Ever... I don't think banjo. Yeah, that's probably the instrument. That and the bagpipes, probably the two instruments <laughs> least linked to ice skating. <laughs> ice skating to bagpipes. Yeah. No, I think, you Mouth know. Mouth organ. <laughs> mouth organs. Mouth organ just suits any moment, though. That's just, if often if it's a bit of a romantic evening, get out the mouth organ. Someone worked that out. Right <laughs> into us. Tell us what Nancy Kerrigan used to skate. I'm sure we can find this out. There's good news, though, in the days following from the FBI. They have a bit of a breakthrough. Mm. A woman who, refusing to identify herself, phoned the Detroit deputy police chief, a guy by the name of Benny Napoleon. Isn't that a cracking name? He can't make that up. She'd seen him on the TV, so naturally she'd rung up. And she claimed to have heard a tape of four men planning the attack on Kerrigan. 
which is pretty amazing that someone would make. Why would you a tape, tape it? The idea is not to leave any trace. That's right. That you've done this. Yeah. So I'm just going to tape this for what purpose? And then someone else has heard it. So, so not only are you taping it, but a random <laughs> woman has heard it and rings the FBI. She says, I've heard this tape. It's four men planning the attack on Nancy Kerrigan. And she's an anonymous tip. Our good friend Benny Napoleon, which if that's not a TV series oh, about a cop that. named Benny Napoleon soon, American <laughs> TV is not doing its job. He makes a list of the names because she said these are the men talking in the tape. He gets told there's a tape of them planning and he gets told the name. Can I ask, do, do you reckon it's a four-man job? <laughs> do you think? To... You'll realise it took at least the, the oh, fact that even four managed right. it. What became very interesting for the FBI is this is a fascinating group of four men. Absolutely fascinating. The first on the list was an unemployed man named Jeff Galuli. Jeff Galuli? Oh, yeah. Who was Tonya Harding's ex-husband, oh although... They were divorced, but it was a bit uncertain whether they were still living together and together again. Titus, I'm no Einstein, but I'm starting to join the dots on this one. <laughs> Galuli. Yeah, so suddenly, yeah. you know, the investigation discovered that it's possible one of the men who's a suspect is Tonya Harding's ex-husband and possibly still with her. So therefore it starts to become clear to them, was this done to knock out a competitor? Yeah. Like, is, they've got a motive all of a Unfortunately, sudden. someone taped it. Yeah, so as well. We've got this. So yeah. they've got. So then the another man was a guy called Sean Eckhart, and he's a long term friend of Galuli's, and he was the head of World Bodyguard Services, a business that was so successful. Mick, yes. he ran it from his parents' house, <laughs> where he lived. <laughs> so oh my god! This was his only client of Eckhart of Sean Eckhart was Harding. He's Tonya Harding's bodyguard. Again, it's hard to trace so, this back to Yeah, Harding. so suddenly the FBI, within days of the attack, have got suspects including Tonya Harding's ex-husband, possible mm. current partner, and her bodyguard. Now, Harding, though, Sean Eggert was so hopeless as even a bodyguard that Tonya sort of did that because he was a mate of Jeff, said, right. yeah, you're my bodyguard. But it's not like... What until you need this a bodyguard? In well, the, in until the, this happened to Nancy Kerrigan, no one needed it. Had there previously been no. any incident? Of no. violence, danger. Not that I'm aware of. I mean, you'd suspect there'd been some stalking at some point of people, but not that. So we've already got involved Jeff Galuli and Sean Eckhart. Next was another friend of Galuli's, a guy called Derek Smith, who was also unemployed. So we're not talking, you know, yeah. when I say Coen Brothers movie, you yeah. sort of, this is not this slick, sophisticated operation. He was unemployed, but he had a plan. To open a paramilitary survival school in the Arizona desert. <laughs> so that was his thing. I love that oh, they have wow. plans, but they're not doing anything to, towards it. But that's just his idea. Like, so he's unemployed, but he's an ideas man. Yeah, he likes so that he likes to think. Now, the last person on this entire list of the four men talking in the tape, which the FBI don't have the tape, they've just been told about yeah. the tape that this woman had heard it, was Derek Smith, our paramilitary survival school hopeful. His nephew, a guy called Shane Stant, who was a high school dropout, and that was basically it. That's all he'd ever done. He and he worked. was the brains of the operation, <laughs> it sounds like. He had an interest in bodybuilding, <laughs> but beyond that, he'd managed to fail at everything he'd ever done. So that's our crew. We've got Galuli. We've assembled the A-team. We've, We've got, got Sean a Eckhart, who's running a bodyguard service that doesn't really exist. We've got Derek Smith, who's running a paramilitary survival school that does, wants yeah. to. And then we've got Shane Stanton, who's a high school dropout and goes to the gym. It's like SEAL Team 6. <laughs> this is as good as it gets. These are tier one operators, as they would say in the business. So yeah. the FBI say they've got this promising group of suspects. They now know the names of the four men. They've got a strong link to Tonya Harding. So yeah. they start to suspect, obviously, Tonya Harding pretty hard at this point. So they've got all the details they need. The FBI begin as they start to look into this that these are not the most sophisticated criminals I don't think you need the FBI. I think I could do this. Anyone who's got half a brain could probably unscramble all the clues. Yeah, you'd think so. It turns out, and from the further investigating, that the plan had come to fruition simply enough. So Galuli was complaining to Sean Eckhart, the bodyguard, about the possibility that Harding could not make the Olympics, that Nancy Kerrigan could take her spot. And this is something Galuli was very concerned about because Harding was his avenue to money. 
Like she has a few sponsorships. Yeah. She was a big star in the Olympics movement. Gotcha. Figures like that. Meal ticket. Yeah. But just, was it a genuine concern? Was it either or? There was a chance both of them could make it, but with Kerrigan out, Harding was basically assured. Gotcha. Like there was no one else that could challenge her. So it was only that was the concern. Galuli was very worried about this because this was his avenue to money. And if Harding missed the Olympics, all the sponsorships, all the deals go out the window and Galuli would have to do something drastic like get a job. So it was something he was not something he was not yeah. that keen on. Eckhart was very understanding of this as a Harding's his only client for his world bodyguarding. So he's on board. He also thought, you know, if we take out Nancy Kerrigan, then other ice skaters will think there's someone out there attacking figure skaters. I need bodyguard, and his booming business would result. Brilliant. <laughs> so he thought so this will drum up business. Yeah, I'll, I'll, by orchestrating this attack, we could actually. I'll own the the lucrative figure skating bodyguard market, which is you know possibly worth billions a year. This is hilarious. So he's really thought that through too, and he thought it could realize help him realize his dream of not living with his parents, (laughs) moving out of the basement. (laughs) So he's on board straight away. He says if we could take out the main competitor, this would help both of us a lot, and it would help Tanya. Um, So they're all into it. Derek Smith. Um, who's our paramilitary desert friend. Yeah, sure. He just happens to ring Eckhart not long after this discussion about something else entirely differently. They're just chatting. Eckhart, being the professional bodyguard he is, can't help but tell Derek Smith all about it. We want to do this. We've got to do it. And he told Smith all about the plan that we want to take out Tonya's main yeah. thing. Smith said, oh, I don't think I'd be the right person for this. I'm pretty busy with my <laughs> pretend... <laughs> Arizona Desert Paramilitary yeah. Camp. He says, I got big plans. I have the perfect person for the job, though. Okay. Now, that is the loosest use of the word perfect in the history of time. <laughs> because okay. the person he had in mind was his nephew, Shane Stant. High school dropout. He's available. To, he, he's free. I can get him. Yeah, I can get him. It's a bit like saying, we need the Sistine Chapel ceiling painted and you're going, I've got the perfect person that someone who's never held a paintbrush before. Right. Like it's that far out. So Smith then rings his nephew, Stant, and says, there's this very loose plan. We want to take out Tonya Harding's. So suddenly there's four people involved, right? Already it's yeah. like gone from just this rough conversation. He says, would you be interested in being the one that does it? And Stant says, I am interested. I'm currently very free. And he's offered $6,800 to do the job. What? And he accepts. To do the actual... Well, they hadn't worked out exactly what they were going to do at this point to take her out. But and he they just arrived agreed. at that sum? I think so that's probably what they had around. on them. <laughs> Go fund me. <laughs> knocked over a vending machine. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This plan has gone from a rough whinging about something to yeah. four people suddenly are involved in it. And they've actually worked out a price and they've got the hitman, the guy to do it. Now, they don't have a lot of a plan at this point, but it just shows you how terrible things and bad things happen because it's multiple layers of stupidity coming together all at once to create something like spectacularly stupid. They're greater (laughs) than the sum of their individual (laughs) parts. The rough idea is stop Nancy Kerrigan from being able to compete against sure. Tonya Harding. That's the goal. So then they're like brainstorming, if I'm using that term in the loosest. <laughs> How they do it. Well, what were the options? Yeah, did, so, they, did they have other options? Yeah, so the first thing is they, they start to say, well, we've got to stop her participating in the national championships. Eckhart says, the bodyguard, we need to do something drastic. So he floated the idea of running Kerrigan off the road. I was going to say that, or hit and run, or like run yeah, her over. that's shot down by the others. because <laughs> Too stupid. Too obvious. What, we might get caught? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Stant recalls there was initial talk of cutting her Achilles tendon, which would obviously cripple her. I didn't think it was necessary. I wasn't willing to do that. So Stant says, I'm not willing to cut her Achilles tendon. Because that's like permanent. Yeah, that's that's crippling Greek stuff. Yeah, that's, that's really full on. Yeah. yeah. And so Stant's got some morals. He draws the hey, line. Said, and, Hang on. Here, I'm in. But for 6800 <laughs> I'm not cutting a tendon. 
<laughs> Tell him he's dreaming. Cutting Achilles. That's 10K. I mean, that would end for an ice skater. That's that's it. That's right. That's game over. That's game over. Hit the showers. How are they going to do that, by the way? Like, well, they, they, they sneak up on her while she's sleeping or she's wearing ice skates. Like, how do you cut? Well, you got to remember, these guys, have they have ideas. They, <laughs> <laughs> they have ideas. The next level is where they run into troubles, you know. like Cutting the, a tent. I these, know. This, well, this, 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 this is brilliant. Galuli and Stamp uh, have told the FBI since later on when they were being uh, interviewed that Eckhart had said to them both, wouldn't it be easier to, to just kill her? And talked about where he could position a sniper with a rifle. And that suggestion was ignored. I would have thought the paramilitary guy would be all in on the sniper. Yeah, that's right. Where's the sniper? Like while she's skating? Like, yeah, are yeah. You taking her out from the top stand? Yeah, it's like, like the uh, that scene in the movie Ronan where they shoot a, the figure skater. Like she twirl, you twirl her. <laughs> she does a big jump and then just comes yeah, down I, and there's a red patch on the ice. Do you reckon that's a harder shot for a sniper? Someone moving around on skates and spinning? I reckon <laughs> that's actually. Tell her to stop. Play something slower. <laughs> Can you? Play something She's moving. She's um, twirling. You're getting the sense with Eckhart that he's runs, the voice of reason. He's the bodyguard one. He's the one that lives with his parents, but he has delusions of grandeur that he's this hard man. Now, he's not the one doing the hit, but he's this guy that thinks he's like an operator. He thinks he's a serious, like he okay. knows security and everything. So he's like, yeah, let's shoot her. And like, But none of them have killed someone before or even done any of this. So the idea that they're talking about this, it's not like they're Do they think they're actually going to do it at this stage or is it just a I think there's an element here where it is guys talking nonsense yeah. and all trying to one-up each other in how tough they are. Yeah. With no one really at first, I think, thinking we're actually going to carry this out. But events tend to none of them want to back down either yeah, and right. say they back I'm themselves out. into it. Yeah. So eventually they all agree that the best way to do it is to cripple their landing leg. Now this is the first smart thing these guys have done is they've targeted the, the leg, leg and leg. And to, you cooked. Yeah, yeah. That's it. No one's getting That's off right. the ground. And to reject some of the more Intense off options that Eckhart's been throwing they out. They have dialed it down a bit. A little. From cutting her Achilles or killing her or running her off the road. Yeah. The professionalism doesn't stop though there, Vic. Okay. So they all agree we're going to cripple their landing legs. Stant then goes to a store called Spy Headquarters. Of course. <laughs> and buys a black 21-inch retractable tactical baton for $58.56. Okay. Keeps the receipt. That keeps the receipt <laughs> well, and, and it might tapes be tax it. deductible. <laughs> I mean, so this is the thing. He's gone and bought this. So it's a retractable metal police baton, basically, right? Like I'm the, guessing there'd be CCTV footage you know, at a place called Spies Spy Us. Headquarters. You'd think Spy Headquarters would have CCTV. So they've settled on a plan. They've bought baton. the equipment. They're agreed on it all. Now, the only problem here is they don't know where Kerrigan is. Right, so who's in charge of? Well, this is where stakeout. This is where it gets a bit contentious because in the investigation that follows, different players reclaim different things. But okay. Galuli claims Galooly. that Harding, Tonya Harding, assisted with finding Kerrigan. He says she knew all about it. She was involved up to. I'm going to stop you there. So this is the first time you've mentioned this. She is an accessory before the fact. According to she's this, in on it. According to Galuli. She was. She denies it at the time that she had any prior knowledge, let alone assisting yeah. with the whole thing. I trust Galuli on this one. Yeah, yeah. The, there's not a witness you go, I'll take their word for it. But Galuli claims that Harding assisted with finding where Kerrigan was training and where she okay. was at the time. Because these people tend to move around. They might be performing somewhere or competing or training. So he says Harding found out. Now, according to Galuli's FBI statement, Harding calls a journalist called Vera Murano and asks for Kerrigan's home address. And she said she had a bet about where Kerrigan trained and that she also needed her to sign a poster. So that's what Galuli claims Harding did to find out where she was. Right. Murano, the journalist, was later interviewed by the FBI and she confirmed this call did happen. Right. So we do have Harding confirmed finding out where Kerrigan's training, even though she denies anything. Right. The journalist, Murano, says she did get the details of where Kerrigan trained at the Tony Kent Arena on Cape Cod and passed this on to Harding by leaving the information on her answering machine. So the FBI have this confirmed that Harding did make the call and wow. did find out, right? But Harding still denies that she was helping, that just claims, oh, I wasn't trying to get her to sign a poster. So Smith and Stant... 
then drive down to training at Cape Cod and find out that Kerrigan's moved. They've told she's in Detroit. So they drive back and forth between these two plays about five times and a comedy of errors getting lost. Gotcha. And yeah. can't track Kerrigan down. So they're all up Just for the hit. Just curb crawling ice skating rinks. <laughs> That's right. They literally, they can't find her. Eventually, Stant does arrive in Detroit and works out she is in Detroit. And so he's in the right spot. Kerrigan's in Detroit. He's in Detroit. I would have thought ice skating would be huge in Detroit. It's a motor town. It's a hard town. It's eight mile. It's I know, but it's very – ice hockey is huge there. It's cold. It's cold? It's very cold. Like, well, you know, originally the ice – the technology now is you can have ice rinks in Arizona. You know, you've got ice hockey teams in the south and in LA. But for a long time, you know, they tended to be where it was pretty cold. They would make the Zamboni. Yeah, they, they, no, the Zamboni's there. Be they could have Zamboni. run her over with the Zamboni. I mean, how they how they didn't come up with that for that a plan? Would have been a really slow <laughs> guy coming from behind. He's yeah. slowly, slowly coming up to me. She goes under the Zamboni on her landing leg. <laughs> Trying to run over someone in a Zamboni would be. That's a good scene in a movie. <laughs> So Stan arrives in Detroit. He's finally lined up. He's in the right spot. She's in the right spot. And he stays at a Super 8 motel, cleverly using his real name. (laughs) He also uses his own credit card to rent a VHS player and some X-rated movies. Jesus Christ. So he's leaving the whole trail. He's focused. He's there to do a hit. He books in with his own. Like So when people go, why were you in Detroit? He can't even say I wasn't in Detroit. He's left record that he stayed there and they can trace his credit card because he rents a VHS player <laughs> and, and, an and porno. So once again, not, you know. So the next day, stand after watching his movies all night, he makes his way to Cobo Arena for surveillance because he's a pro. Okay, yes. He goes and he's casing the joint. He's casing the joint, exactly. Leaving nothing to chance. He finds security at the arena is non-existent because this is okay. just training. Can I just say, why would there be security <laughs> at an ice skating rink? I mean, come on. I know. So he gets there. There's no security. He spends 45 minutes wandering around. He heads down to the ice level and there's no crowd there or anything. It's just purely training. And he also goes into this corridor leading to the skater's locker room, which is where he yep. eventually will do the hit. And no one says a thing to him. No one notices him, yeah. cares, whatever. Yeah, business. Yeah. He also finds an exit with plexiglass doors and decides, this is my escape route. Escape so I'll route. do the hit here and I'll run through there. He told Smith, who's the Arizona paramilitary fantasist, well, he's in Detroit there. He says he's going to drive the getaway car. Which you should wait be a out. <laughs> we should I'm be. just saying. Uh, so he says, you wait outside these doors with the car tomorrow when we do the hit. So they've cased the joint. They've mapped it out. He knows where to go. It all works. What could go wrong? So the next day, Stant arrives in time for Kerrigan's practice. And being the absolute professional he is, he forgets what she looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't recognize her. <laughs> <laughs> He asks someone who's there, uh, could you point out Nancy Kerrigan to me? So minutes before he's about to do this. He's identified he's himself sh- as looking for Nancy Kerrigan. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, you know, he's a real winner. <laughs> so the guy goes, that's her on the ice there. And he goes, oh, thank you very much. How much has he been paid? $6,800. $6, you get your pay peanuts. You would, if you got a job, the one uh, thing the most so important good. is to be able to identify <laughs> The intended victim. Yeah. But to ask someone as well wow. to go, excuse me. It's not a Tinder date. <laughs> yeah. It's not like <laughs> yeah, yeah. wear a scarf so I know. Yeah, exactly. So he doesn't recognise us as Pecto. Pecto as Kerrigan finishes her skate. He watches mm. her finish. She finishes. He follows her down the corridor to the locker room. Kerrigan's chatting to a newspaper reporter. Yep. And this takes us back to where we started. This was his chance. He approaches. He walks between the reporter and Kerrigan, he pulls out the retractable baton, he strikes Kerrigan's knee, she goes down screaming. Despite being the perfect guy for the job, he's missed her knee, hence her ability to still commit. He also just hit her once because when she starts screaming, he panics and runs. What, he wasn't expecting her to? Yeah, so he doesn't like hit her a few times to make sure of it. He hits her above the knee on the fleshy part of her leg, not on the doesn't break her kneecap or anything like that. And the minute she starts screaming, he just sprints. So he hits her once and runs, like totally panicked. Wow. So panicked, 
that he gets to his exit point, the plexiglass doors that he's identified the day before. Earlier. Yeah. And unlike the day before, they're locked with a chain. <laughs> Right? He can't go back because there's a caring and screaming in pain and everyone's rushing. So <laughs> he gets through the plexiglass doors by ramming his head into them several times <laughs> and crawling through the hole he made. So here he is, <laughs> botched the job already, yeah. gets these, but head butts his way through a plexiglass door, crawls through the hole. Outside, he briefly lay on the footpath recovering. <laughs> Where's the getaway car? Where's well, the paramount? And then he picks got? himself up, throws the baton under a parked car, and runs. Okay. Naturally, he runs in the wrong direction. Runs away towards from, the police station. Away from where the Smith is waiting in the getaway car. Oh my god! So he runs away. So Smith has to go and drive around and find him and get has him. Has to find him because when you're driving the getaway vehicle, it's not great to have to stop and ask for directions. Or <laughs> yeah, they drive. Have so you he, seen a guy? <laughs> So Shane Stan is bleeding from, from the head butting <laughs> through the plexiglass and climbing through. He's dazed. He's run away from the getaway car. You don't want to run away from the getaway car. So it's going well. But luckily Smith finds him and they get him. He gets in the car and the job is done. And the amazing thing about this, after all we've just spoken about, is that it got done. Like yeah. the, the idea that these guys even got this far is almost as astounding as the fact they did yeah. it. Like the fact they carried it off, not well and not perfectly, <laughs> But you could have seen this just not happening at all, right? I'm still getting my head around the idea that a getaway car has to chase the guy who's supposed to get into the getaway car. That would never have happened ever. (laughs) Galuli. Where's Galuli while all this is happening? So by the 11th of January, not even a week after the attack, so it's about five days, I think, Galuli's hauled in because of the tip-off of the tape. He's hauled in before the FBI and he confesses everything. Straight away. Under interrogation? Yeah. Well, they just call him in and say, we had the tip off, we can place Stant in his credit card. And he just coughs it up. These are not hardened criminals or profet- – like they're confronted with the FBI. It's the biggest story in the world. It's gotten pretty big wow. and they've suddenly got the FBI in front of them. They then go and do some investigation like finding the credit card details of where they've all been and all that and suddenly <laughs> they're away, right? They know the guy, Shane Stant, is in Detroit because of his porno habits. <laughs> a big egg on his forehead. Like they get the photo of him because they know he's a suspect because this woman's tipped it off. And then they go to the arena, everyone who was at the arena at the time go, have yeah, you seen the- this guy? He goes, yeah, that was the guy that was asking for who Nancy Kerrigan was two minutes before she got attacked. And then they can also cross his credit card details and find out he stayed in Detroit at this, you know. So Incredible. Using his own name. So it's not like this was a hard case to crack once once they had the tip off, right? Charges are laid against all four men. Gulli's confessed. Part of the reason that also that the FBI tracked down them so quickly on top of all the things we've talked about is Eckhart, the World Body Guard <laughs> Services guy and claims to be a professional security expert, he couldn't stop bragging to everyone that he had planned the attack. He, he just told wow. everyone, right? He taped it. Even before the actual attack took place, he had a friend listen to an audio tape of the four men discussing the plan, telling his friend that he'd made the recording in case he needed to blackmail the other three down the track. Oh, he's a thinker. So the woman that had tipped off has obviously heard, heard that tape. That's how the tape got made. So he made it to blackmail people, but then he plays it to everyone. To show he's the mastermind behind. This is astonishing. Yeah. This is a masterpiece of stupidity. Oh, it's just what not to do if you want to commit any crime. Not that we're trying to educate people to commit crimes, but these are the do nots. That's right. So as soon as the FBI have started interviewing Galuli, he begins to immediately implicate Tonya Harding. Is he trying to get a plea deal or something? Is he well, is he rolling I over? I think he's is just he rolling like- over and agreeing to like he knows he's cooked, he knows he's done, so he figures I'll cooperate. But he also says from the very start, he says Harding was involved in the attack. The only thing Harding wasn't all in on is she had reservations about Eckhart being able to organize such a plan. <laughs> Which you'd have to say is a fair enough reservation, right? Harding, confronted by the FBI based on Gululi's testimony, denies all accusations that she had any prior knowledge of the attack. And she issued a statement saying, despite my mistakes and rough edges, I've done nothing to violate the standards of excellence and sportsmanship that are expected in an Olympic athlete. 
And you think she wrote that? No, I'm just saying she hasn't sat at home and finally crafted that. Someone's in that. The public know all The public know these four men have been arrested, obviously because of their close connection to Harding. The suspicion has fallen on her and she's denying it publicly. And the FBI is saying, he's saying you did. She's saying, no, I didn't. She's issuing a statement to say Has she been interviewed by the FBI? Uh, She's been interviewed by the FBI and all that sort of stuff. So meanwhile, while this is all going on, still the number one story on every news channel is the number one story around the world. Yeah. Like, it's the biggest story. Meanwhile, in Portland, a woman by the name of Kathy Peterson had discovered that someone had dumped their trash in the dumpster behind her restaurant called the Dockside Saloon. And this happens all the time, she said. Like, she had right. a big dumpster at the back. People would, like, drop their rubbish in. You know, hated it. There's an etiquette to that, you know. It's just like, don't do it. This drove her mad. And so she's seen someone dump a heap of trash. So she opened the bag to see if she could identify who'd done it because she was going to go yell at them. That's right. Well done. Instead, she found a check stub from the US Figure Skating Association made out to Tonya Harding and an envelope containing handwritten notes about where Nancy Kerrigan practised and when. And Peterson had heard all about the attack, obviously the number one story in the world at the time and who Tonya Harding was. So she calls the FBI and the FBI grabbed this stuff and later proved that the handwriting is Tonya Harding. So as well as the call to that journalist of... Where does Nancy Kerrigan train? The FBI now have handwritten notes. How's it ended up in Portland? They've driven it up there, obviously, to dump it. They're not far dump from Dump it there. in a dump master with a cranky woman yeah, who's yeah. going right. Yeah, they obviously didn't think of a shredder. Now, while this is all going on, the US Olympic Committee had decided to bar Harding from competing in the Olympics because they said, Tonya, you can't go. Nah, this is ridiculous. Not happening. Kerrigan's going. We're deeply suspicious of you. We don't. We can't prove it. Harding sues them for $25 million. Okay. Saying, you don't have any proof. I haven't been charged. Galuli is a jealous ex-husband who has obviously done this for whatever his reasons, but it's nothing to do with me. How dare you? Yeah. The US Olympics Committee have to back down because even though they don't believe Harding's denials, they have no clear evidence that she had any prior knowledge of the attack. And the FBI say we're still building the case, so we can't charge her yet or anything. So it's not going to work out for your timing. So Harding, despite all this, is allowed to compete at the Olympics. In Lilyhammer, the games are getting underway. So we're finally, because this is all happening in the shadow of the Olympics about to start. Yeah, (laughs) Lilyhammer. So the games are getting underway. Kerrigan and Harding had to share the ice during the American team's practice session. It's frosty? Fir- you're very frosty. Standing at the different ends? Of well, the- no, listen, the two skaters come together for the first time since the attack. It resulted in a media frenzy. 700 journalists show up to practice from all over the world. So, you know, just to watch. There'd be about five journalists normally. 700 yeah. are there. So over the top was the coverage that Sports Illustrated, in their article, calculated the closest the two skaters came together while on the ice together and it was 31 inches or 78.74 centimetres. That's close enough to whack someone <laughs> again in the... Now, getting to Kerrigan, she's made a miraculous recovery and just to even get there, you've got to admire Not she got a bruise? Has she got any She's damage? bruised, but immediately... A little, little bandage or something? Yeah, or she's got bandage under there. And a everything. bandage that's been bedazzled? <laughs> that's right. It's sparkly. She's actually yeah. just wearing a metal ring around to stop her getting hit again. No, but immediately after the attack, Kerrigan like commits herself to this exhaustive and this is where this gets lost this part of the story it's yep. all about Tonya Harding and how sure. hard a childhood she'd had or whatever but people don't realise Kerrigan has gone through this incredibly traumatic being attacked been mugged yeah mugged, mugged. and scared of who did it and why it happened yep. and all this at the time she didn't know all the details that we know now she immediately after the attack instead of sort of she could have very easily gone into herself or whatever. She commits to an exhaustive rehabilitation regime and gets back on the ice. This is a montage scene in the this movie. This is the montage. <laughs> That's Rocky right. style. Yeah, it is. It is the Rocky style. Like So she is literally, this bit of the story never gets told. She couldn't walk. Not long after, a few weeks later, she's out skating during practice for the Olympics about to perform has, has, at the Olympics. Has she stuck a landing yet? She's skating well. well they, they, a the, landing leg. They is... say, yeah, she seems to skate well during practice is the, what the media say about this one where she does it. In a sign, though, and this is where I love Nancy Kerrigan, in a sign she didn't believe Harding's protests of innocence, in the training session where they're both competing, and how's this for mind games? In front of these 700 journalists and all the world's media with it being filmed, yes. Kerrigan wears the same outfit she was wearing when she was attacked. 
with blood on it. Yeah, like she literally it. does. She wears the exact same one. And a caliper. And she was asked about it afterwards and she told the media, humour is good, it's empowering. Wow. So that's why I love it. How hard-ass is that to go, you know, well, I'm not scared of you. I'm going to let everyone know that I think you're just absolutely lying. But can I ask you, were they yeah. friends? What was their relationship before the whole thing I, started? Uh, everything I've read seems to suggest that they got along fine. But they weren't kindred they weren't, spirits. Yeah, yeah. Harding is like in everyone's description a difficult cat person. Okay. Like, you know, sponsors didn't want to work with her. It's just she was so damn good. The authorities didn't really like her. She was a brat, you know, in a way. She was high a pain, high mate, difficult. Always had a chip on her shoulder and all this. Where Kerrigan was just, everyone just said, was just a really nice person, like right? mm. worked hard. So on the night of the actual competition, the Olympics are on, Harding skates her program. And obviously the intensity of what's been going on and the scrutiny is starting to get to her because halfway through her program, she has to stop and she shows the judges that the lasers on one of her skates are broken. So the judges allow her to redo her routine, but wow. she's obviously rattled. And what's the song? Well, we- <laughs> <laughs> who let the dogs out? I am, <laughs> yeah, who let the dogs out? <laughs> who is, who is, what is it? What's she skating to? <laughs> Heaven's in the backseat of my car. Um <laughs> The judge is allowed to do, redo her routine, but she performs nowhere near her usual level. She's off. She finishes eighth. Wow. So uh, the, Kerrigan, though, does the opposite. She skates one of the best programs of her life. Couldn't walk a few weeks before, gone through all this trauma, fought back, all the scrutiny, yeah. all the media. She comes back and skates one of the best programs of her life. Crowd responds with a standing ovation. They throw flowers on the ice and she skates off and everyone says she's in full contention with the gold medal. The fairy tale ends slightly because she's upended by a 16-year-old Ukrainian, Oksana Bayol, who beats Kerrigan by a tenth of a point. Well, she's got a barring coming. <laughs> yeah, she's exactly. She's got to get kneecapped within an inch of her life. But the point I just wanted to make is, despite only getting silver, and this is the bit that gets lost, is what Kerrigan did, like the mental and physical strength, sure. and to perform like that under all that pressure, the trauma, the focus, yeah. everything, is something that just doesn't get mentioned. People yeah. remember Tonya Harding. They don't remember Nancy Kerrigan and, and it should be one of the great triumphal Absolutely. stories and it's just never mentioned. That brings us to the end of the Olympics. A fortnight after the Olympics, Harding pleads guilty to conspiring to hinder prosecution. So her story is, after dying any knowledge for months of before or after the attack. Like to get to the Olympics, she said, I didn't know it happened. I don't know what happened after. I didn't know about it until everyone else knew about it. She still denied that she didn't know before the attack, but she said after the attack, she did know that it had happened, that these guys she knew had done it and they'd done it for her. And she didn't come forward and tell the police about what she knew. And so she's sentenced to three years probation and fined $160,000. So okay. that's what happens to Harding. Galuli and Eckert both plead guilty to racketeering to avoid heavier charges. Galuli is given two years in prison and Eckhart sentenced to 18 months. Smith and Stamp both plead guilty to conspiracy to commit second-degree assault and sentenced to 18 months in prison. Their cunning plan has, has come undone. Wow. What's amazing about this is ever since this, Nancy Kerrigan gets lost in it. And Tonya Harding gets portrayed as she had a tough upbringing and poor person, even yeah. though we know she had the chance to come forward and do the right thing and, and say, yeah. I found out these guys did the attack, but she didn't do that and she denied all knowledge whatsoever yeah. just so she could go to the Olympics. Yep. Then her long-held position for decades after it was that, yes, she knew after the attack that they'd done it and didn't come forward and been punished for that, but her long-held position was she knew nothing about the attack at all. She'd always stuck for that before the attack, she'd had no knowledge whatsoever. Even though we know her handwriting the f- yeah. had been found with Nancy Kerrigan's <laughs> whereabouts, and even though we knew the call to the journalist, yeah. she still denied any knowledge, which was always her. And Galuli saying that she did. She knew everything about that. So you have to take Galuli's claims with a grain of salt, but he and, you know, they had a, a strange relationship. There was accusations of violence between them, which he always denied. There was all sorts of, no one really knows the full thing there. But Galuli's FBI statement, just to give him some credit, is very accurate with everyone else's statement of not just the four, three other blokes, but even like what the statement Vera Murano, the journalist, said about Harding ringing and all that. It seemed once he was busted, he was fairly truthful. Yeah. He knew he was done. Then there's the fact that in an ABC News two-hour special that aired in 2018, so not that years ago, it's called The Truth and Lies, the Tonya Harding story, 
Harding completely changes her story. So this is like almost mm. 20 years later. For the first time, she admits she knew something was up before the attack. So when grilled, she goes, well, I did know something was up. Yeah. So This isn't a bombshell. This isn't really a bombshell, is right? It? But, but it just it's showed, good to hear it so. Yeah. Harding told ABC News she suspected something was up about a month or two before the attack. She said, I did, however, overhear them talking about stuff where they said, well, maybe we should take somebody out so we can make sure she gets on the team. And she says, she said, I remember telling them, I go, what the hell are you talking about? I can skate. But the thing that is interesting about that to me is, She'd never has admitted to this and then she just completely, because she's doing this interview and she says, oh, okay, yeah, I did know. I did have insight. And then it makes me wonder, really? The doco needed a It needed a, yeah. So 14, need to make 14 years she's denied it and then suddenly she does it. What happened to Nancy Kerrigan? Well, well she we, just we know lives a happened. pretty quiet life and, yeah, I think this was enough <laughs> publicity <laughs> for a lifetime. Meanwhile, the rest of them have all, basically return to absolute obscurity. They should get the gang back together <laughs> for one more hit. One, one, one last more. job. <laughs> Once you've done ice skating, where do you go from there? <laughs> yeah, uh, is there lawn bowls? No, is there like, what's the most uh, genteel sport? <laughs> Chess. Chess. <laughs> here we go. Let's go to the flower show. <laughs> so that's the Nancy Kerrigan, Tonya Harding story, which really in my mind should be the Nancy Kerrigan story, but... Absolutely. Is the Todd Yard. I want to see that movie. I'm going to go for the role of Galuli, <laughs> <laughs> who I believe is the only moral compass. And this, he, yeah, yeah. He's the guy who, <laughs> only one who acknowledged the error of his ways on tape. <laughs> <laughs> Never record something mm. when you're planning a criminal conspiracy. Did Tonya Harding go on to have a successful career in porn? She dipped in and out. Of, she, I don't. She, I wouldn't call it successful. I think she did one, uh, like one or two, just to something get for Stan to watch when he's in the hotel room, <laughs> waiting for his next gig. Yeah, he was thrilled. So <laughs> a morality tale. I'm exhausted. You next time can you come fully researched? I need to know <laughs> what, what song? song Nancy Kerrigan and who was the girl who beat her? For the gold, Ukrainian, sixteen-year-old. I really yeah, feel like I've let you down with the lack of musical knowledge. Well, I just this. Really thought that's the first thing. <laughs> I was a bit thrown by the headbutting the plexiglass. Oh, <laughs> with a getaway car chasing you and beeping. <laughs> beep, beep, behind you. Are you my Hoover? Yeah. <laughs> Man, oh. there's so many great bits to that story. Oh yeah, I it's love the it. best. Bizarre Plus is our members program that gives you extra content every single week. If you're interested, just follow the link in the show notes. Uh, if anyone knows those songs, send them in, please. <laughs>